So we're back with the second part to the book review of Jurassic World, the ultimate visual history book by James Mortram. Hi everyone, my name is Jawad Mir. I'm your host at Kingdom of Dreams podcast. I'm here in Lisbon, Portugal, and uh, I'm here for the screening of two of my feature documentaries, feature narrative documentaries, uh, Citizen of Moria and In Search of My Sisters, those who are following uh, the podcast on Spotify, Apple, uh, or YouTube, the video version. And if you're listening to Spotify or Apple or Google or Amazon or any other platforms, check out the YouTube because more visual, I'll be going through the book. But anyways, uh, uh, here for the screening of two of my films. Uh, one of them uh, got screened in search of my sister at a university. The review was uh, were amazing. The response was amazing. So far, that film has been shown in about 17 countries and we have so much more to come. And I'm really looking forward to sharing that with you. If you haven't seen the trailer, you can check that out in the description. Uh, In Search of My Sister is about an American Uyghur activist whose sister is taken by uh, the Chinese Communist Party uh, because of her activism in the United States. And she embarks on a journey to create awareness and find clues to her sister's whereabouts in about over a dozen countries. Uh, so that screening went really well, and today we have tonight we have a screening of my other film, Citizen of Moria, which is about an Afghan refugee filmmaker who fleds Afghanistan because his life comes under threat thanks to uh, Taliban, and he uh, is he leaves Afghanistan without saying goodbye to his family and his kids, and he ends up in Europe's worst refugee detention center, Moria Camp in Greece. So that's tonight, and really excited about that. We've screened that film in about seven countries so far, and again, the response for that has been incredible. Um, soon we're going to be releasing both of those documentaries. Uh, but anyways, any, enough about that. Uh, I want to get right into the book. So the second part to this book is about Jurassic World, The Fallen Kingdom, uh, who's directed by J.A. Boyona, uh, who also directed films like uh, Impossible, um, which is uh, about uh, the tsunami that came out in 2005 or six, and stars Naomi Watts, how a family survives that, um, you know, damaging, um, so not, um, damaging uh, nature event, which killed about over 280,000 people. Um, and uh, so he directed the second book and the second, second film, and uh, I went through it, um, skimmed through it, read through it, uh, went through the visuals, and just want to give you my feedback on this second chap part to this book. So this is chapter two. It's called Jurassic World Fallen Kingdoms, as I showed it to you before. And uh, it has a lot of information, just like the first chapter, which is about uh, how Colin uh, Trevorrow came on board and uh, and this one as well so i'm going to be going through some notes here that i have looking off camera on my computer screen so i don't forget anything uh, so in this second part there's a lot of amazing stories obviously i'm not going to give away everything but i'll you know talk to you about as much as i can without um, uh, without ruining it for you but even if i did i mean there's just so much detail in here that you would love to um, read it anyways so Colin Trevorrow had already decided before um, the first film came out uh, that he won't do any of the sequel. Um, no, sorry, he won't do the sequel. It's not that he did; he won't do any of the sequels. And but he was at the, simultaneously he was offered to do Star Wars Episode Nine, which he didn't end up directing because of creative differences. 
and I think that went to um, uh, what's his name, um, Ryan Johnson, I think, the guy who um, directed Knives Out, Ryan Johnson, yes. Uh, so it went to him, and there were some creative differences that never kind of made out to the surface. But uh, you know, there's a whole podcast to that. I'm sure a lot of Star Wars fans have already covered, so I won't dive into that. And uh, and he also wanted to Colin also wanted to direct a passion project that he had been developing for a long time called uh, the Book of Henry. And um, so Derek Connolly, who co-wrote the first film with Trevor, um, joined. Basically, they, they joined again to write the script and they did a road trip from L.A. to uh, Vermont. And during that road trip, they pretty much hashed out the premise of the second film. And as I'm kind of talking about what was in the book, here's a little pull out. These are all like these are concept sketches. I mean, these are just amazing. Honestly, like I, I know I've said this so many times, but look at this. Wouldn't you want to have stuff like this in your in your room? I would love to have this in my studio. And um, yeah, so anyways, going back to the story, and uh, then they also uh, talk about that how uh, Macy's character was developed, which was correspondence to Michael Crichton's original vision of man playing God, and how she was cloned. Uh, and that was, I always found that in that film, for me, that was the favorite part, because there was a human element to it, there was a science element to it, there was a nature element to it. Um, so the, in the book, they talk about how that came about and um, and how Colin brought um, uh, Jay Bayona, who directed The Orphanage, who directed The Impossible by the Tsunami, as I said. So when Jay Bayona came on board, uh, he had some hesitation um, in terms of the premise, which was about uh, weaponizing dinosaurs. And but it kind of wore on to him and he was all on board to direct that. And here's a nice little, again, concept work, Jurassic World, The Fallen Kingdom. It's not The Fallen Kingdom, it's Fallen Kingdom. And uh, and then uh, basically he, J.A. Bayona, brought his entire team, his uh, DP, his editor, his producer who had worked with him on his previous films just to make sure that there is that level of communication and, and, and self-understanding between him and his team, which I think is a great idea because once you work with a certain group of people that you like working with, and especially when they know your understanding and you know theirs, it's like you don't need to communicate anything. It's automatic and it's fabulous when you're doing any kind of project, especially in, in film, which is like a massive um, you know, team collaboration. And there's a great, and there's a great chapter on uh, animatronics and sculptures that were designed and little miniature sets um, that you can read and also there's a whole chapter uh, I shouldn't say chapter there's a there's a quite a bit part about how Spielberg uh, made some suggestions to J.A. about uh, what films to watch to get an understanding of uh, the chemistry uh, between Chris Pratt and uh, Bryce uh, Ian Howard's character um, to watch some old films and some of the old films that he recommended to J.A. was um, uh, Bringing Up Baby from 1938, His Girl Friday, 1940, and I Was a Male War Bride, 1949. And these are all Hawks and Grant production. Uh, I'm not too familiar with their work, but I've read some uh, stuff about them. So he 
Spielberg really wanted J.A. to watch those films to understand the chemistry and the relationship of the two of their protagonists uh, in the film. And um, then there's a great story of how uh, Zia Rodriguez was casted in the film and how she moved from L.A. to New York. And after two weeks, she got the role and she had to pack up everything and go to London. Um, and uh, one thing I really found pretty cool um, here, this is Zia Rodriguez, right here. And uh, one thing I, I really enjoyed, just as a you know a fan of Amblin and Spielberg, there's an actual mini chapter here called Back to the Futures. And then in there, there's some a lot of great stuff about how the open the animatronics was created, the baby raptor. And I think that was like one of the one of the first early teasers that came out uh, as well, and um, also how the film was secretly named as Fallen Kingdom and it was being shot right on the same soundstage uh, where Star Wars Episode Nine was going to uh, take place. And I don't think at that time it was it was established that Colin will not do the sequel of Star Wars and then there's a little sticker pull out. I'm not going to take it out, but you can actually peel these off. Um, great for the kids. Um, but as a collector, I'm not going to touch them at all. And, um, yeah, and then there's a whole spiel about this. These are some of the museum concept work that were in the uh, end of the film. And uh, there's, a, so there's also a whole part about uh, what kind of sets were they on, which soundstage, many square, how much square footage was it. And, you know, as a filmmaker, I think those details are so fantastic to give because a lot, a lot of people who are starting out in their career, in the middle part of their career, who haven't done big films um, uh, like Jurassic World or anything else for that matter, uh, in terms of um, you know having sets, it just gives you a little bit of insight how things work and how much appreciation. I mean, even if you know what kind of work goes into filmmaking, but even when you read it over and over again, it just shows how much appreciation you have for that kind of work. Um, so that was fascinating to read and uh, there's a lot of backstories um, uh, also that uh, Colin and uh, Jay Biona talk about like how every time they came up with a character or situation they had to support that by adding a backstory and a you know a, a liable backstory that gives it some validity and then there's a great concept painting sh uh, that shows Claire and Franklin making their escape from bionics as lava pours into radio tower to this scene right here. One thing that I really liked uh, uh, about this chapter called Arcadia Action, um, in the scene when they are leaving the island and then there's this one dinosaur, I think it was uh, uh, Brachiosaurus, I believe, that how, let me just double check. I believe it was a Brachiosaurus, that how, yeah, it was a Brachiosaurus that how you see the Brachiosaurus kind of getting lost in the smoke, meaning, you know, suggesting that he dies when the island is exploding. And that was like a pivotal moment for Colin as well as for J.A., like an emotional moment that changes the story, the arc, you know, in another direction. And uh, then also in that chapter, they talk about uh, Richard, Attenberg, Richard Attenberg's stage, which is a 30,000 square foot named after. Yeah. Most of you should know uh, John Hammond, who played uh, in the first Jurassic Park and in The Lost World. 
played by Richard Attenberg, um, and um, who also directed Gandhi. If you haven't seen, it's a great, great film. It came out in 1982, put Ben Kingsley on the map. And uh, then there is, oh yeah, remember that scene where Chris uh, Pat Owen, Chris Pat's character Owen is inside the truck. So they were lying down with the T-Rex. So they actually had a um, life-size uh, animatronics T-Rex in there. And it was his idea, uh, Chris Pat's idea, that how to escape and like, you know, do a flip between his jaws and, uh, uh, and, and and save himself. And then there's a whole section on the opening uh, where the uh, where they're in the underwater submarine. Well, I wouldn't like call it submarine, but a mini, mini sub and the helicopter chase. And uh, the helicopter scene was shot in like full scale, but like a real helicopter, but also with some models and miniatures. And uh, they had the crew hired a British civil, uh, British civilian civil aviation authority to hang a stunt performer uh, from for low flying helicopter. We remember when the guy was climbing the ladder. Um, that was that was obviously a stunt, but uh, it was someone from British civil aviation um, authority. It talks about this chapter actually talks about how how they lit the entire scene because the lighting in that scene was very very challenging. You know, you're dealing with um you're dealing with the uh, water you're dealing with the uh, trees um and you're dealing with the helicopter light but you're just trying to make sure everything is in sync this is a cool little concept that uh, eventually made a scene in the film um yeah and then there's a couple of neat chapters on the grand finale which uh, takes place in the Lockwood State, and they had a really challenge doing this scene in terms of uh, showing the uh, dead dinosaurs because there were not many trees, so they couldn't hide them, so they had to show them in, in their entirety. And then it talks about the scene of the Indoraptor, how he the Indoraptor comes into the room, and that's one of my favorite sequences, I think, um, in terms of camera work and how it's connected to the tension uh, of the scene, um, how the Indoraptor is opening the door and the camera rotates, I believe it was 360, 180 degrees, and it, it just builds so much tension. Movement always creates tension, but especially that kind of movement, and then how the the, the, uh, the claws come inside, and that was an animatronics that they built for that. And then there's all these concept arts, which I think was ended up going in the beginning of the third film, uh, which was the prologue, which wasn't in the theatrical version, but they released it on YouTube. And then it's on the extended edition as well. And this is a concept doc of the Indoraptor in blue having a showdown. There's also a great uh, 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 couple of pages on uh, the bidding scene of the Indoraptor that was in the cage, how that came about to be right here. And then Malcolm returns. So I think in the original, um, when they shot it, it was a much longer scene uh, when Malcolm, played by Jeff Goldblum, returns. But obviously due to the duration of the theatrical version, they had to cut it down. I'm not sure if it's, there is an extended version of that. I could be wrong. And uh, yeah, and then 
there's a chapter, a mini chapter on goodbye Isla Nublur, uh, which is about the destruction when the whole explosion and all that stuff takes place. And um, the the gyrosphere, remember the gyrosphere, which which went down the hill and it went into the water. Excuse me. I always wonder how they did that. So what they did was they put that on a uh, train track and right here, right here. And then it goes down and obviously digitally replaced it. And there's some more photos and concept work. Yeah, so that's pretty much it um, for the second chapter of this book, Jurassic World, the Ultimate Visual History Book. And um, the next one is obviously the most recent movie that came out, Jurassic World uh, Dominion, Chapter 3, right here. This is what it looks like. And maybe I'll give you guys a little bit of insight of the first page, how it looks like. And that will be covered in the in the third uh, review uh, for sure next week. Uh, let, me just, let me see what I can find that you guys will probably like. Oh, this is cool. And I'm just randomly going through this. So I think this is pretty cool, like how they're designing the animatronics right here. So that's in the third part of this review. Uh, and... Uh, yeah, I, I, I think for me, overall, I have to see all these films again. I really liked Jurassic World a lot when it came out, the first one, because it was very, it had a lot of tribute to the original Jurassic Park, which is the favorite film of mine. And uh, Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom, I wasn't too much sold on it. Maybe I wish that, I think if there's an um, extended version of it, I would love to see it. And Jurassic World Dominion, um, I found, again, it, I have to see the extended cut. I haven't had a chance to see it just because of my traveling uh, to see how that sort of comes up. Because I felt there were a couple of places in the beginning and the middle which just went too fast or weren't necessary. And I'm sure they were, but because they cut out about 20 minutes of the uh, uh, film, it, it didn't give it much context. So anyways, guys, that's that's it for now. Um, next review, I'm going to, I know I said this a couple of reviews ago, um, next is going to be an interview or my conversation with director Steve Hickner about uh, B-movie, so that's coming up next, that stars Jerry Seinfeld, it was written by Jerry Seinfeld, followed by something I promised a while ago, the breakdown of the trailer, um, The Fablemans, and what I think of it and uh, how much I'm looking forward to that. So until then, thank you so much guys for joining. I appreciate your time and hope to see you next. Have a good one.